0: Hello, thank you for listening to and watching you at options this episode I have Sonny Singh from hate56 uh, great conversation we talk a lot of tech uh, the technology behind how he operates 856 um, talk about his uh, his work in, uh, in activism um, yeah great conversation uh, go go check out sunny uh, check out his website hate number five com. This guy's Patreon Got everything there That you need to know about him Go go sign up for his Patreon You get early access to stuff It's great um, Go follow him on social media It's the same At Hate The number 5 Then 6 Yeah, great conversation uh, Go to TheHandsomeScoundrels.com Slash stop buy some stuff. There's a UA options shirt on there. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Hey, Sonny. How how are you today? Good. Um it's cold here in Philadelphia. So, uh trying
1: to stay inside as long as I can before I got to go outside. Ooh, is it snowing? No, it's not snowing. Um it might I don't think it's going to rain, but it just looks really gloomy out.
0: <laughs> okay. Uh Yeah, the, where where are you based? I'm in Mobile, Alabama. Oh. So, okay. it's either you know, humid or raining or both.
2: mm mm-hmm. Mhm. So. Or yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> have, have you gotten a chance to spend time down in this area or new orleans or i was
1: i was in alabama once for a show i was in a, sh- I was at a show in tennessee and i hopped on a um what do they call it like a pond jumper or something puddle, puddle jumper yeah puddle jumper i was i hopped on a puddle jumper um for a show in alabama somewhere uh it was like a one one-off thing this is like two or three right the thing is with this with this pandemic my ability to tell time is just completely off so I want to say it was 2 years ago it was probably more like 4
0: okay oh man yeah. um so yeah I think most people know you as uh, 856 uh, eight, um with uh videos for you know hardcore and punk bands um of, of varying uh you know genres underneath that kind of umbrella um but I don't think I don't think people, if they don't like dig into like, um, like your notes on your website or, or go watch, uh, interviews with you, they don't realize like, uh, you're so much more than just, um, doing hardcore and punk videos, like, uh, a thing that drew me to you as your, uh, development, um, programming. Um, how long have you been a programmer?
1: Um, I started programming in high school. So this must have been, I think the first programming class I took was in 2000, freshman year of high school. Uh, it was a Q Basic class. Nice. Um, it was Q Basic. And then the next year, uh, they offered the next level up, which was C. Hell yeah. So I think I was a sophomore. And then I don't think they offered anything else until my senior year, which was uh, Java. Okay. Um, Pretty much. I've been programming since high school. I mean, even as a kid, I mean, as a kid, I was like taking apart my family computer and putting it back together. Right. Um, but in terms of actual software, it wasn't until like early 2000s when I got into high school and like, you know, I, I was in the high school programming team. So we competed in nice. um, uh, Canada, it was the Amer- the AACL, American Computer Science League. Um, so there was like a written portion where we'd have to like solve, like reduce logic gates and solve you know, computer science questions. And then there's also like a programming challenge as well. So I was really into that uh, in high school. And then when I went to college, um, mostly focused on math and physics and my programming took a back seat. Well, programming in the formal academic setting took a back seat. But I still programmed for fun, mostly doing just like web development and random random projects here and there. and then fast forward to grad school, I switched over and focused on computer science, um, uh, machine learning, AI, computational linguistics, um, and kind of just dove into that. And after grad school, worked for a couple of tech companies, and um, we can probably go into all that stuff. But yeah, I worked essentially in natural language processing, data science, machine learning, all that kind of stuff, while I did H56 on the side as a hobby. Um, and then in 2018, that... There was there's kind of those that that relationship inverted and uh 56 became a full time thing and the programming didn't necessarily become a part time it kind of is a part time thing. I mean I, I still do a lot of development, but it's all for running the channel now. So it right. kinda like I've kind of like merged everything into one under one roof.
0: <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Uh I've I watched your video of you making that Raspberry Pi um like uh Oh the grip, yeah. The grip as was wild,
1: yeah, worked pretty well. um so if anyone hasn't seen it, um when I was doing live streams during the pandemic, so during the pandemic, obviously bands were not playing, so we were doing live streams in a studio um closed off setting and I was typically doing two, three, four camera angles and um all by yourself. I have a very all by myself, yeah, and I have a very specific way of how I like to cut my footage together i mean you could you could hire someone just Press buttons and pick the angle they think is best. But when I'm filming, I'm thinking about what angle is active at that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, the way I frame shots, the way I pan my camera, it's I do it in a deliberate way because I know that when I'm going to be editing, I'm going to be cutting to and from certain angles. So when I was doing these live streams, I had this idea: or why? I mean, I could hire someone, but it might be cooler, it might be a fun challenge if I can, while I'm filming, also cut between the angles. Um, and the first prototype I had was just a number pad a numpad on my on my phone yeah. that was just you know mapped to the keystrokes on on the laptop and it was just you know filming and also just pressing the buttons on on a, on a keypad, which is not um, that convenient in terms of operating a camera. So I had this idea of 3D printing a grip that I can then mount on my camera itself and using a Raspberry Pi to program the keystrokes um, and it was just sending that signal um, via an HTTP request uh, to the computer running the stream and is listening in for this request and sick. Just reading in that reading that reading that in um, through a very simple API and then just mapping that to the keystrokes in OBS for cutting between the angles. So it was a fun experiment. Um, from from con- from conception to actual um, deployment was one week. I got it done in one week. Oh damn! Um, from, from having the idea and then 3D printing it, um, programming the Raspberry Pi, soldering the wires, and just Having it fully tested Damn. was a weak turnaround. So I, I got a lot of shit done during a uh, pandemic in terms of just uh, exploring technical problems and trying to come up with a good solution for them.
0: Do you, do you have your own 3D printer?
1: I do. I Yeah. I'll probably, I'll probably see it her right back here. Okay. Um, oh, yeah. Red yeah. I haven't used it in a while. Um, the the bed is completely uh, not level anywhere. I, I, I need to get one of those auto, auto leveling um, devices, but... Yeah, haven't been printing much lately.
0: Mm. Have a uh, Have you just printed anything like silly? I don't know, like figurines or something.
1: I did. I mean, for just testing the three D printer, I've printed some. Just like, I think I printed like a little a little dog or something like that. Mm. But yeah, I was I was mostly printing it for um, camera mounts, like either like 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 the grip or. Um, probably can't see it, it's out of frame, but I I, I manufactured this aerial skycam. Yeah. Um. Probably, probably seven years ago, I took a class in um, plasma cutting, and <laughs> so the, when I say skycam, I mean like literally what the NFL uses for getting overhead shots. So okay. You 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 have two points suspended in the air yeah. by a cable. I think the NFL ones it's four points. It's a little bit more complicated, but um, essentially two points suspended, um, a, a cable suspended between two points, and then. This device that has a motor on it um, can move along that cable um, laterally in both directions. And then mounted underneath is a camera on a gimbal that can also, you know, rotate, tilt, so you get the full um, 360 coverage. So I started developing that in 2014, I think. Uh, I took a class in CNC plasma cutting, and I bought, like, air-grade aluminum, and I CNC CNC plasma cut this um, chassis. Um, And then at the time... I programmed a Xbox remote control, uh, re- uh, Xbox controller to actually control the uh, the whole whole system. But I ended up blowing the motor on that and I did not get around to finishing it for a long time. It just sat on my wall as a um, as like a as an art piece. Okay. And then again during the pandemic, I was sitting there staring at it. I was like, you know what? I got nothing to do. Let me just fucking finish this. So uh that's the reason I bought it. 3D printer cuz I needed to manufacture a couple uh, custom shaped uh, brackets for the motor mount. Okay. Um and then I I I I chucked the Xbox remote and I bought like an actual radio uh, like a RC um like controller one of those massive ones that you'd see someone operating like a you
0: yeah, know with the uh, big RC. The huge antenna yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. and I, and basically I I I I got I got that and a receiver and I programmed that to control control that and I was able to actually um the I, for for the gimbal that I use for my camera is just a, a, a DJI Ronin. If you're if you're a filmmaker, pretty much everyone has heard of the Ronin. It's mm-hmm. like the standard um, gimbal, but they actually have a essentially a communication port in there. And I don't know why they have it, but I was able to. Someone figured out that you can actually wire that um, in a way that you can send RC signals to it. So I'm actually able okay. to control the panning and tilting of the the um, the gimbal remotely from. From the remote, so essentially, when I'm when I'm, I have I haven't technically used it. I used it in a field test, but um, you mount the Ronin under on the underside of this carriage, and then the remote control con- controls the carriage moving laterally along the cable, and then I can also use the remote to control the panning and tilting, mm-hmm. um, and I guess panning, tilting, yaw. I don't know. I, I always forget which one's which of of the gimbal. So yeah, it's... long story short, I got that done. <laughs> 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 Sick, that
2: was
0: uh, a fun. Yeah, project. the uh, yeah. It's funny. I was just thinking, like, usually when people are bored or they're like, I want to pick up something new, they're like, I'll I'll start baking or something. But you're like, I'm gonna go to a CNC plasma cutting course.
1: Yeah. Well, it was <laughs> it was more it was more so I have this unfinished project that's like haunting me because I okay. see it on my wall and I haven't, I haven't
2: finished
0: it. Okay. Um.
1: So it was yeah, I mean yes, I do shit like that when I'm bored. I'm like, let me let me tackle a fun problem. Um but yeah, yeah, I think that's I think the it's because like I'm so invested in what I'm doing with mm. the channel that I'm always looking for yeah. ways of streamlining um the process and, and saving time. Cause the only reason the only <laughs> one of the only reasons I'm able to do the channel at this level of like consistency and throughput is because I have so much automation built into it um, with how content gets deployed, how I, you know, structure my my time management with just terms of editing and, and scheduling. Right. Um, a lot of that is just driven by tools that I coded up. Um, and that really allows me to minimize um, wasted time. So um, again, like the grip was a fun project, but again, that like minimized the need for me to bring in someone and train them how to, how to cut it. Um, and it also just was a it was a very ergonomic solution to a clunky problem that I had. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I'll see you post every once in a while, uh, pictures of you like uploading your, your files. So that's all how, you just plug in your, I don't know how that works. You just plug in your, uh, you uploading uh, what files like video files, like to, to the actual like website or what? I don't know. Maybe you're just putting them, I don't know, putting them, you're moving them somewhere. Like you weren't uploading to files think. to the website, but like uploading, like I guess just like dumping all your files of your film files.
1: I'm trying to think what that would have been. So I I have a local server in my apartment. It's a it's a, yeah. it's a raid array, a FreeNAS array that I built. Um, so I'm constantly moving data off there, and I installed a 10 gigabit Ethernet. So I actually actually edit. 4k directly off the server and i don't have to have the footage locally on my machine so that saves me so much time right. so i come home from a show i just dump the footage on the on the raid and I oh, okay. edit directly off of it rather than making you know clearing space on the laptop or the desktop i don't have to do that i can just edit off off of the uh, off the server damn um but essentially as soon, now we're getting to the actual content deployment i don't know if this is the direction you want to go in, but to, like, yeah man all right so the um as soon as i have a video done Um, uh, so all of my videos live on both Vimeo and YouTube. Mm. Um, Mostly because when I first built the site in 2008, Vimeo was the optimal solution. I I still think Vimeo's compression algorithm is better than YouTube in terms of how uh, it renders like shadows and things like that, but to each their own. Anyway, (laughs) when I built the site, Vimeo had a better API. So a lot of the site relies on Vimeo's Backend to run, okay. um, but the process is: video gets edited, uh, I export it, I upload that video or that set of videos to Vimeo. It's a private, it's a private video at that point. Um, Vimeo gives me a unique ID for that video file, and that's what is referenced. Like the entire backend of the site relies on that unique ID. Um, and then I have a whole content scheduling system that I built. Um, It's kind of like a, it's a, hot it's a, it's a, it's a queue. It's a, it's a hybrid queue. It's both a standard FIFO uh, first in first out queue, meaning like, um, you know, if, 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 I I don't know how technically uh, uh, inclined your listeners are. I don't know.
0: Yeah, you know you, yeah you put the first thing in and that's going to be the first thing that comes out and it's a yeah, stack if you, yeah. if,
1: you, if, you, if you think about it like a line in a restaurant like people yeah. line up and the first person in is the first person who's going to get served by the person at the register right So that's a FIFO queue a LIFO um, is a last in first out meaning the last the last entry in the queue is the first one to get served
2: mm-hmm.
1: So um, one way to do content distribution is just a FIFO queue. Meaning, the oldest video in the queue is what gets uploaded next. So you can just like burn through that. Um, I did that for a while. Um, and well, let me back up. I, I could technically just upload all of my content
0: to right. right,
1: and maintain no queue. But the only reason, I mean, we, we I in order to grow a channel you need to have like a consistent upload schedule you need to have viewers come back for more right um so one of the reasons why i just don't do it is because I, I want people to come back because if the video they want isn't coming out today they're going to come back tomorrow to see if it's if it's posted yeah. tomorrow um so it it drives engagement and it again it's it's just it's like food for these for these algorithms to make sure that you're relevant yeah uh and the, and the other part of it is just preventing oversaturation because if i post 20 videos in one day no one's going to right watch any of it yeah and the whole purpose of the channel is to drive as much traffic as much eyes ears and attention to a specific band or to a specific video that i that i produced right. um so that's why it's like a slow week like you know I, I film a lot but i'm only leaking two or three videos a day yeah so you could just do you know first in first out um and just go through it that way but then i had the idea a couple of years ago why don't i like sort of why don't i take advantage of people's um People's impatience
2: or excitement for a video, <laughs> right. in the
1: sense that, um, you know, you know, you know, I, it could just be a first-in, first-out, and people would be like, kind of annoyed because the video that I shot yesterday is gonna, it's gotta wait. Right. Um, the other solution is that I pick the, I pick the scheduling, I pick the order, and I, I, I figured, why should I do that? But th- again, that's more work for me to do to figure out. Okay, Friday, this video will come out. Saturday, this one. Like, I don't have the time to do that, nor will I actually, have, nor can I make everyone happy by doing right. that sort of release schedule. Uh, so I had this idea why don't I why don't I um, like exploit people's impatience and create a voting system right so that um, the viewers can actually vote on what comes out when mm-hmm. and the actual genesis of that was I created a notification system because people are always asking me hey can you let me know when you post this video I'm like I'm not gonna just send out random messages <laughs> to people <when> I, <laughs> hey, I, I bro. Can't keep track of yeah. I can't keep track of when John wants video X and when Bill wants video y like, I don't have yeah. The cap like capacity to do that. So it started out as a notification system. Um, people could enter in their email address, uh, check off which videos they want to be notified for. As soon to get, as soon as it gets uploaded, there was a script that would use a mail server to email them that the video went up. So then I had this idea. Well, why don't why don't I use the script subscription numbers for a video as a proxy for interest, or like a vote, right? Yeah. Um, And that was how I built the voting system was around that system of just notifying people that a video was posted. So all that to say is that the, the content queue is both like it's a priority queue, meaning that, you know, it's not, videos aren't getting served first in first out. They're getting served by a priority and that priority is determined by the community of people who are voting on what they think is most important to be released next. Mm -hmm. Um, I call it a hybrid queue because I, my, my biggest concern with the queue is that like a newer band that doesn't have as many like fans or listeners, isn't going to like accrue enough votes to come right. out and it'll constantly be pushed to the bottom. So to combat that, I added this like mechanism that I called mana, like gamers know what like a man, like yeah. mana is like how you accrue like health or whatever. Um, so I have a mana system that essentially awards, um, it accrues, like artificial votes based off of how long the video has been sitting in the queue. Oh, okay. Um so right now it's just like a linear, like for every X number of days it accrues Y number of, of votes. So it's it's a it's a kind of like a hybrid queue because the longer a video sits in the queue, it does accrue more votes. So they're kind of like two competing forces, like the people who are voting for videos, but then there's also the force of this mana accruing.
0: Like time, yeah.
1: Ideally you should sort of like Maybe not be fully equal forces, but you know it does help combat the problem of a video like rotting away in the queue.
2: Right? Um, yeah. I do
1: have a I do have a couple like I'm, I haven't fully fleshed it out yet, but I'm trying to modify the mana algorithm so that it's not just how long the video is in the queue, but I also want to factor in like how many videos of the band currently exist on the mm. channel if it's a band that's never appeared on the channel, they should get more, more, more mana just to, you know, right. The other, um, another factor is, um, the time since the last release of that band. So for example, like I'll film a bit, I'll, I'll go on tour with uh, year of the knife, for example, and I'll film them five days in a row. Their fans are just going to upvote all five videos at the same time. Yeah. Right. So you run into the problem. Well, I also don't want five year of the knife videos coming out in succession. Right. So the, um, part of the part of this like new mana uh algorithm that I'm, that I'm developing is like not maybe not penalizing but taking into consideration time since the last release of that band
2: mm-hmm.
1: um another another element is um what percentage of the show has already been uploaded so again if i'm filming like a show mm. and the headline the headliners are, get, are the ones that get posted first but the the openers kind of like sit sit unreleased yeah um I, as as more of a show gets posted i want to upvote the the remaining bits like no band gets left behind you know what i mean (laughs) um kind of that sort of thing yeah um so that's that's kind of how the content like scheduling works this is yeah i feel like i'm this is like a huge information dump (laughs) it's all good man (laughs) i like it so once once a video gets like Again, I will only post about two or three videos a day. And so every more every more, I, I technically don't know what comes out every day. Like I'll get mm. an email email notification from the server saying, um, as of this morning, these are these are the top three videos that have the most votes. These are gonna come out at eleven AM, uh, four PM and nine PM. Okay. Um So again, that 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 changes by the Like the, the voting totals update every every five minutes. So I I, I could take a peek, but I, I technically don't know until the morning of
0: um, do you know who posted so hap- at 11 today uh
1: so i will override the system every now and then <laughs> if a band has like a if a band has like a special release that they okay. want to coincide with something yeah. um i had a special release study it was a far side video that i digitized from 1991 no that was 90 that was 90 i think it was a far side set. and i, I really just want to get that i like far Side's one of my favorite bands okay uh, every now and then, I will override the voting system and say, "All right, this video, this video is going to come out on Friday or Thursday at noon." Yeah. So, yeah, right when we started the call, Farsight side dropped. So what nice. happened? That would have been a good time to execute. So what happened at noon is the alert. An alert went off on the server saying, "Okay, um, this video is scheduled for 12 p.m. It is now 12 p.m." So what happens is the server uses the Vimeo API to um, make that video public because once mm. I upload a once I upload a finished video on Vimeo, it's private by default. So I use the API to automatically um, make it public and then I use a Twitter and Facebook API to automatically alert people, hey, this video is now um, live on Hay5.6 hay5.6.com, uh, which pulls from Vimeo. Um, so it automatically sends out sends out those alerts. And then I have a server here in my apartment that it detects that, a, and this is something that I, I could optimize. I haven't done it yet. Um, it detects that a new video has been released. It downloads that source file from Vimeo, um, and it, it gets the metadata, which is like the, it gets the metadata from the website, which is like the band, the date, the venue, city and state.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: it then uses the YouTube API to upload that file to YouTube using that metadata. Oh, okay. And then it, it, then issues a second alert to people saying, Hey, it's now also on YouTube. Uh, so there is a, it's, it's, it's a little, it's not, um, it's a little asynchronous okay. Um, because in an ideal world, it would go live on Vimeo and YouTube identically like at the same time yeah. instantly, but it's because I built the site around Vimeo that it has to go on Vimeo first. And because again, Vimeo gives me that unique ID. Yeah. Um, so that's why I have to do it. So at some point I'm going to redevelop the site so that it uploads to both simultaneously and I don't have to do it. Cause right now, like it'll go up on Vimeo or, you know, Hey 5.6 and then it'll take a couple of minutes for it to get downloaded and uploaded to YouTube. And then it takes another couple of minutes for actually YouTube to process it and make it live. So the YouTube version of that far side video that just went up probably isn't live. Actually, not now that it's like 12:30, it probably is live on YouTube by now. So it's a little, 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 little um that's like a little, for me a little bit of a, an annoyance that I need, need to need to work on. Um, but again, that's that's all automatic. So I don't right. have to deal with like alerting people or besides that initial upload to Vimeo, I don't have to deal with the uploading. I don't have to deal with nice. tagging or manually adding in titles and descriptions. The only manual thing that I do is I have to create a, a video clip, like a 60 second clip. is, um, And that's what I post on Instagram. Okay. Um, so, and that is, that is also slightly automatic um, <laughs> in the sense that once, like I said, I have a local server here that downloads the file off Vimeo uploads that to uh, YouTube yeah that that server is technically a backup of my footage because it has the the finished files of on everything that's on the, mm-hmm. on the site um, so what I did was I built a, uh, a clip extraction engine so there's there's an app on the site if you're a patreon subscriber you have access to this so you can take any video you can you can paste in the, the link to any classic six video um, enter in the start time and then enter in the duration and then the local server, I have a cron job that is, con- oh no, it's yeah, it's it's not a cron, it's a it's a it's listening for web web web, web requests through an hmm. API that I built. It's listening to see has anyone issued a request for a clip. Uh, if so, it takes that source file, and then it runs essentially takes the start time and the duration, extracts that clip, uploads that clip to to Google Drive, and then sends a download link to the person who requested that clip so okay i'm the biggest user of this this clip extractor because i use it every day to, to right. automatically create a clip um because otherwise i have to open my editor yeah. and like hone in on okay at 154 i want to get this 10 second clip i just use the clip extractor right i say i enter in the timestamps and within a couple minutes it sends me the download link and then i download that and post that on on instagram um Damn. So again, that was another fun project of just, all right, I need to, I need an efficient way of creating clips. Yeah. Um, because also if I'm not, if I'm not home, right, if I'm on the road and need to create a clip, I don't, I don't have access to my, my RAID. I mean, I, I could set it up so I do. Yeah. But I'd rather just have a server that's listening for requests and automatically creates those clips and just sends me an email with the download link. So, um, I use that every day. That's another like feature that um. I thought more people would because right now people just take a screen recording. If they want to post like a funny stage dive or whatever, they just screen yeah. record it and they post it. And it looks like shit because it's like a screen recording of a super compressed video that's right. on Vimeo. And I'm telling people like, if you're a member of channel on Patreon, you <laughs> Make can just use blitz. the extractor. Tractor. You're, you're, you're literally getting it from the second level from the source. So it's, I think it looks i think it looks cleaner but getting people to actually use it is, is a hard, is the hard problem.
0: Yeah, it's i like you describing your uh all your automation process, processes it's a yes
1: yeah, so that was that was a long <laughs> that was a pretty long explanation <laughs> but that's that's how it all works uh from like from editing to actually deployment
2: mm. uh,
1: that's like the full life cycle of the video
0: in in 10 years are we going to have sunny ai and you're not going to even be filming
1: so I I created this thing that, um, I don't know if you saw it. I, I, I made this automatic editor. Um, I posted a video of a side-by-side. I said, here's two versions of a video. One of them was edited by me. One was edited by this algorithm. And all the algorithm <laughs> is doing is it's automatic. It's kind of like the grip, right? It's yeah. just automatically, well, the grip is, you know, manually controlled and I'm deciding yeah. which buttons to press. But the algorithm was, randomly picking okay choose camera one camera two camera four oh, okay. back to camera one so i posted two clips of both and asked people hey can you tell which one's which and people were actually split people couldn't tell which one was mine and which one was the algorithm which i thought was a, i took a little offense to that <laughs> I, I think i think my edits are a little creative like they I, I try to cut on beat with the music and like i'm picking interesting angles right and like the automatic one it's it's, it's essentially just rolling a dice and yeah and, and producing and producing an edit. But then again, if you have like a chimp typing away at a, at a, at a typewriter, yeah. if you give that chimp an infinite amount of time, it's eventually right. going to produce Shakespeare, right? Like right. that's, you know, so at some every now and then a random editor is going to produce something that looks kind of decent. Yeah. Um, so people think I actually use that. I, I don't, the only time I use that is, um, so on, my Patreon, I give my Patreon subscribers like early access to to videos before they go up on on YouTube. Um, So I will sometimes, if if I'm I'm in like a time crunch, I'll just use the automatic editor to automatically create a multicam edit. If I'm doing like a four four camera angle uh, shoot, I'll use the editor to just create like an instant, like four camera angle cut. I upload that for early access on Patreon. And then when I have time to actually sit down and do the, like the cleaned up version, then I'll like sit that sit down and do that manually and then mm-hmm. give that to my patrons. So I do use the automatic editor for like a super, very, super rough draft. Yeah. Um, I've been thinking about ways of making it smarter. And the first thing I've been working on is like a beat detector. So analyzing the actual acoustic signal to figure out like, okay, here's the tempo of the music. Because right now it's just randomly cutting when it it's just rolling a dice and cutting every one second, 1.5 seconds, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, if I can detect the beat, that right there solves the problem of actually having it having the cuts follow like a certain cadence and a certain rhythm um so I've been working on like a beat detector and then the other component is like how do you determine which angle is the best angle to cut to that's like a computer vision problem and I haven't fully solved that one yet Uh, (laughs) but I've been thinking about ways of, of of doing that like um I tend to cut my angles a lot when I'm panning so I, I do this like whip pan a lot you'll
0: yeah yes. you'll
1: see it you'll see it in, in an, if you if you look for it you'll see it like I'll be like the like on a multicam video like I'll the one shot the current shot will be focused on the drummer and then it'll quickly cut to like a crowd shot yeah and it's almost seamless it's a seamless cut because when I'm filming it like I said earlier when I'm filming I'm thinking about how I'm editing I'll quickly pan from like the drummer to the crowd. So I will stay on the drum cam, the dedicated drum cam, while also filming the drummer. Oh, I see. At, yeah. the, at the moment where I pan from the drummer is when I do that cut so that the viewer can't really tell what just happened. All they can tell is that they were watching the drummer, and very seamlessly they are now at the at the, at the crowd. So you'll see that a lot where I'm cutting. I'm using that motion blur of mm-hmm. panning to actually mask the fact that I'm cutting between a shot on this side to a shot on the other side of the stage. Um, so that's something that people, if you watch enough hate message videos, you'll see. So anyway, I, I was working on um, an algorithm to, to, to detect the blurriness of an image. So a video is essentially just a sequence of still still images, right? Yeah. So I was working on like, like I said, with the, the beat detector trying to find the best time to, to, to cut acoustically. Um, I was using computer vision to detect like if there's a lot of motion blur in this image, that's probably the point where I'm panning the camera really quickly. So I was using that to find like a, like a cut point visually, like, okay, this, the, the motion blur of this image has reached a maximum. If you think about like a time, like a, like a, like a time series Mm -hmm. of images, the, the motion blur peaks at the point where I'm panning. So that's kind of like a point where I could, where I could cut. And then it becomes like an alignment problem. Like you have this, uh, these points in time visually where, where you can cut and these, uh, points in time acoustically where you want to cut. Mm. And you wanna, you know, what ha- the the best time to cut is when there's like like the motion blur lines up with the beat. And I, I tend to do that. Like I tend to pan like during a drummer buildup, like he's like hitting the the four times, whatever. Yeah. And right when the drummer's about to hit the cymbals, that's when I that's when I pan
2: the yeah.
0: camera.
1: You'll see that a lot too. So theoretically if I'm doing this beat detector and this like motion blur detector, they should line up every so often. Um and then the algorithm would be okay, that's the time to cut the angle. So I have ideas about how to make an automatic editor. I haven't done it yet. Uh, but maybe, w- so to answer your question, one day maybe uh, I won't have to do anything. <laughs> I'll just be like, I'll set the cameras up, I'll film it, and then like I can go home and have the editor automatically edit it and then
0: automatically get uploaded. And there and, you go. You can, you um, can, on, you can just walk I'm around. To, yeah,
1: you I just. Can t- I can take more. Cl- I can take more classes in CNC. Plus there
0: you right? go, man. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know, pipe fitting, welding, something. I don't know. Something, uh, yeah. yeah, you can just when well when you get to that point, you just walk around with a fake headset and act like you're screaming at people, like
1: exactly. Cut the camera down. <laughs> Cut the camera yeah.
0: yeah. Uh but did want to talk about um, do you? Uh, were you live streaming before uh, like the pandemic? With, I know Code Orange was the big, the big. Yeah, uh, I
1: was, I was, I was anti-live streaming for a while. Okay, I I was, I was always like, why the fuck am I going to spend, I I don't know if I can curse on this podcast, but I was like. Hey man, let it fly. I I was like, why, why am I going to spend time and money and resources live streaming a show when I could spend that time, money, resources in making the archival footage just better? Yeah. Plus also, I want people to go to the show. I don't want, I don't want people to have an excuse to not go to the show. That's true. Right. Like, I already do get some pushback from bands being like, oh, we don't want you filming because no one's going to come to the show. It's like, Mm. man, as much as I love videos, a video should never replace the experience of being at a live show. So if someone's willing to wait for a video, like short of someone being, you know, having like a physical disability, not being able to go or someone like geographically not being able to like travel. Like if you're in the same city as a show and you're content with waiting for a video, you are never going to go to the show to be with. Like, right that's how i look at it yeah so yeah i was i never wanted to do live streams and then the pandemic kind of like forced me to do it because obviously we we needed a solution um the code orange thing was like a super last minute um production because we had planned on shooting their that show as a regular video that we upload later and then mm. the pandemic the, the lockdown happened that week and the band called me up and we were like what should we do and they said should we try live streaming it and i said I've never done it we figured it out so we, we we pulled it off in like 48 hours um nice. we had like a, we had like a team of people who were you know helpful obviously so it wasn't just like a one one-man band but um we i i want to i i say this every time it comes up but i will go to my grave saying that code orange stream was the first COVID induced live stream of a band performing um i don't think anyone else had done the live stream that week That was, again, the week that everything shut down in the US.
0: Okay. So, that was, like, like March, March, whatever, March March 14th or something. Yeah,
1: yeah, it was, literally, yeah, March, I think, that that week, uh, 2020. Um, And that Twitch stream had, like, 14,000, 15,000 concurrent viewers, which is kind of crazy. Damn. And it wasn't just a standard stream. I mean, they had, Code Orange had planned to do a whole, um, uh, uh, Shade is their, like, visual guy. He does a lot of 3D animation he had planned this whole 3D animation to be projected behind them during mm. their tour. And they didn't want that to go to waste. So we right. thought, we had this idea, well, why don't we cut that into the live stream as well? So the live stream was a mix of, obviously, the, the, the cameras are rolling, but we had someone who was blending in the the 3D um, renderings he created. And it, it looks, if, you, if people haven't seen it, you should go go watch it. It's, it's on YouTube. Because um, you'll have moments where the band is on stage, it's a nice wide shot, but then you have this like 3d like demon or whatever they have they have all these like, characters in their, in their yeah. like, universe of is know, it like Codora's a lore.
0: augmented reality looking type of yeah it's, type? it
1: was kind of like an augmented reality just yeah. like kind of like you know manifesting into the image and kind of fading out but then at moments the, the 3d image would like occupy the full like opacity of the mm-hmm. of the of the image so it was it was a cool blending of both um like the live performance with also just what they had planned to do visually for their for their tour. Um, but yeah, ever since that, I've been all in on, on live streaming because it's, right. again, we were forced to do it and I, I'd done maybe two dozen, at least, live streams of bands yeah. during the lockdown. Um, almost all of them were live, live, very few were pre-recorded and aired. A lot of it is just like, you're watching this in real time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I don't think a lot of bands were doing that. Uh, a lot of like, A lot of bigger bands were, a lot of people were, were, were selling live streams, but they were actually pre-recorded, and viewers don't care. Right. Right. But from a technical perspective, I think that's a very important distinction. Pulling that off live is very hard to do. Right. Uh, both for the band, but also technical challenges as well. So there were not a lot of other people doing actual real time live streams. Um, so I take pride. I mean, I definitely fucked up a bunch of them. Um, just audio going out of sync or a camera going yeah. offline, like shit happens, but that's part of it. And like yeah. I like that technical challenge. So um, I'm proud of the fact that the vast majority of the ones that I did were actually like real time
0: in lives. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. That kind of <clears throat> leads into, uh, we want to talk about your, your activism and um, you being at uh, demonstrations and live streaming there. Um, was what kind of, I guess was it? Um, what drove you to do that? Just kind of like wanting to record what was happening, and like. Yeah,
1: I mean, I've been I've been filming protests and social movements since 2011. Like people think it's a new thing, but I've been right. doing this since. a long, I mean, not live streaming it, but just documenting it for a very long time. Yeah. Um, and the reason for that is, I am of the mindset that hardcore and punk is a very political s- statement. And it's an opportunity yeah. to talk about these issues. Some people disagree with that, but like fuck you. <laughs> like for me, it's <laughs> you don't have you don't have to agree with the, right. the political takes that I put out there, but like to say it doesn't belong, this is this is the entire point of what this community was was built on. Um so during the pen, I mean, I that is to say, like I always or I try to use the platform as much as possible to shine a light on issues and topics that I think are um, important and that need to be signal-boosted because um essentially at the end of the day the channel is me pointing my camera at shit that i think is interesting yeah trying to get as many eyes and ears on it and like maximizing like maximizing the amount of like attention i can give to whatever it is i'm pointing at whether it's a band playing a show or someone giving a speech at a rally like my objective is film film thing create content maximize traffic to content watch rinse, repeat Mm -hmm. so um during like the george floyd uprisings and everything that happened with, with the BLM movement um, that was just a natural continuation of what I had already been doing. And right. obviously shows weren't happening. So I had more time to go out there and do it um, and, you know, avail myself to these organizations and groups that I want to, want to help. So I like, you know, give them my time and my resources to help them signal boost um, what's going on. Um, everything from, you know, um, the housing crisis. I mean, there's a, I mean, the housing crisis is everywhere, but in Philly there's. um you know houseless encampments and there was a movement to you know fight for um, equitable and fair housing for low-income mm. families i was live streaming a lot of that i uh, we doing a lot of live streams for uh, political prisoners like mumia abu jamal who's a um uh, political prisoner from philadelphia who's a journalist uh framed for killing a cop in 81 but there's a lot of evidence that shows he is both um uh, factually innocent and legally not guilty mm-hmm. Um, but he's been in jail for 40 years this July because of his, his, uh, his activism as a, as a Black Panther, as a youth. Mm-hmm. So I've been doing a lot of live streams um, on the ground, uh, just raising awareness about his case. Um, and I actually invested in um, a live streaming um, signal bonding unit, which is what the, which I remember seeing like someone from NBC like walking around with it. I was like, oh, let me, what is that thing? Uh, so it's 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 what the broadcast companies or broadcast networks use to next sa- short of satellite. This is what they use to send their signals out to their control room.
2: Okay. Um, and
1: the way that it works is you send it's a it's a, I have it over there. Um, you want me to grab it? I can grab it. It's a it's a it's a it's a it's a box yeah. that takes in an HDMI signal, um, and it's an it's an encoder. So it encodes the signal, and then you plug into um, you plug into um, uh, cell modems, like an AT&T and Verizon modem. Okay. Um, and the the service will then, um, rather than relying on one cell signal to, yeah. to send your send the content out, it splits it up into two, sends it out to their server, um, and then they recombine that footage, and then um, you can then distribute that out to like YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, wherever whatever you want. So mm-hmm. that's a service that I pay for um, to just include the signal and broadcast it out. But it's what like broadcast companies use to uh, efficiently send their shit out. So, um, it's pretty pricey, but again, like I do enough of these, um, live streams on the ground that it makes sense to do it. Cause again, um, I'm trying to create not just a lot of content, but I will also want content that's compelling. I want it to mm. look and sound good. Um, so that's why I use like high end cameras, high end lenses. Cause I, the way that I think about it is it's similar to how I think about filming a band. Um, if someone's going to take the time to like use really good gear to shoot a band, you as the viewer who's scrolling through social media, you're going to, you're going to stop and be like, huh, I should probably look at this because this is the production quality is pretty high. It's not just a self, it's not just a self pointed at this band. Just by nature of the production value, people are more likely to to sit down and and give it a shot. Right. Um, I take that same mentality with, with filming these, these, these protests. I want it to look cinematic. I want it to look, a certain way, so that if someone's just scrolling through Facebook and they see this live feed that looks like a fucking movie, they're gonna right. be like, what, "What the hell's going on?" So, that's it's a very deliberate decision on my part. Because um, again, when people are when people are scrolling through social media, you yeah. have just a fraction of a second to catch their attention, right? right. So, um, that's why I use like the lenses and the cameras that we use, and again, I get that's why I want the 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 live stream quality to be as high def as possible as well. And that's why I use this like cellu- cellular bonding bullshit um, just to make sure that the signal is, is clear. But there are, there've been a couple technical issues, issues with, it, with it. And I'm like, why am I paying for this service? And it doesn't even fucking work all the time. So it I've been, I've been on the phone with, with their tech support lately. being Like, why am I paying you all this money a month? If you can't even guarantee that I'm getting a bonded signal.
0: So, is, so do um, you have to have like two different plans with like Verizon yeah, and AT&T?
1: You yeah, you, you have to have two plans and then you have to pay for the actual encoding service. Right. So I bought the unit, the unit was whatever. Yeah. Um but then you have to pay a monthly subscription to use this the service which will recombine the signal. Um, and that also includes the the, the, the the two cellular modem plans as well. But it's it's when it works, it's great, but when it doesn't work, it's fucking frustrating because you're like I'm right. paying all this money and doesn't fucking
0: right. work. Oh man. Um have you gotten any pushback from people that are just like stick to music videos or oh anything yeah all like the time that? all the time. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I I get pushback from people all the time saying like stop with the political content, just stick to fucking music. And I'm like, nah. the logo of the right. fucking channel is a camera and a sickle, which I meant, like I came up with that in high school. Like yeah. if you don't think you're gonna get political content, you are like I, I think about how um disconnected you must be and like what kind of mental gymnastics you must go through to like not... Right have a basic understanding of the content that you're consuming right again not everything that i post is political but again i'm trying to like like draw people in with the live music coverage but then hit them with a shotgun blast of just like hey i know you're expecting a video today of this band that i filmed but like here's a fucking protest that's happening right outside my window yeah like this is a very important issue but yeah i do get the backlash and i i used to take it personally but Mm. i'm of the mindset now like bring it like you're 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 engaged like engagement is fuel right yeah like i i don't care if you don't like me right because at the end of the day you're i you're just keeping me relevant in the search engines and that's right. all i care about i'm not here to make friends like it's it's cool if people like you know if i make friends through what i do but i'm not here to make friends i'm here to just draw attention to like whatever it is i'm pointing my camera at. right and if i can if i can siphon people's keystrokes and siphon their attention and get them to like complain about something again that's just it's all about converting this keystrokes to just engagement because right. the whole point of the platform is to just drive engagement because the more engagement you have it reaches more people and like again that's really all this is all about is like getting more people to watch a band getting more people to like care about a topic that i'm covering and yeah i don't expect everyone to like immediately convert to a band or i don't expect everyone to immediately, immediately convert over to a topic i'm covering but if i can reach one percent of my following, that's a good amount of traffic, right? Like, I have have people coming up to me at shows saying, like, hey, I'm a teacher, and I saw your protest coverage, and I didn't know about that issue, but now I've created a curriculum to teach my students about that issue, so if I can get one teacher to do that, that fucking pays it forward, so um, I, people think I, people think I get take it personally uh, if I get, like, backlash, but I'm out of mindset now. I've been doing this for so long. They are they really want me to stop doing it but it none of none of what they've tried has actually worked to stop me from
0: doing the work that I want to do yeah
1: so so fuck them i'm going to keep doing it
0: yeah it's uh that's that's a little silly of those people and it's like it's not this is like your your baby it's not like you're being funded by some by like yeah, george some Sor- higher george power by not, george soros yeah. george soros Sor- yeah.
1: is not he's, george Sorris is not funny
0: uh, No, or you know or like live live nation presents eight five six or something like that you know where it's like like yeah uh uh it's silly oh man um well is is there i was i was trying to think earlier of of some just interesting questions is is there a live music event that has already happened like from i don't know from the 70s or 80s that you would have wanted to live stream that you can think of
1: all the time i mean like that that bad brain set at cds the iconic video yeah like (laughs) but at the same time i'm of the mindset that certain things were just better if you were there
0: right had to be there
1: um you had to be there and like if there's an archival piece of footage like that's all we get right and that's that's what makes it special so part part of me actually doesn't want to go back in time and uh live stream certain things like one of my favorite bands is One of my favorite bands is Inside Out. Um, part of me, part of me hopes they never reunite because I, I I want that to be the band that like only exists in my imagination and whatever few <laughs> recordings are, are out there. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't know if I would build a time machine to go back. And like, <laughs> there's definitely there's definitely bands I wish I could film in their prime. Yeah. Like. I'd love to film like a oh, like at the drive-in set in their prime or Fugazi in their prime. But yeah. again, I also realized like the nature of this, of, of just music and just life in general, is some things were just be before your time and you got to just, right. you got to deal with it and you got to, you have to create your own, you have to create your own shit, right? right. Like there's, there's going to be kids 20 years from now who are like, damn, Year of the Knife is the best band ever. They don't play anymore. But right. like, at least we have these videos, right? So it's all about living in the moment, um, and trying to, um, create or find the excitement that you kind of wish that you were present for in the
0: past. Yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting. Um, I'm not, I'm not into like jam bands or anything, but the way they like, apparently like archiving shows and like, Oh yeah. It's a whole thing. It's a, yeah. All some of my like friends who are into jam bands, they'll be like, I'm listening to fucking whatever. 95, you know the the second set i'm just like jesus that's very specific uh yeah yeah yeah
1: i i'm with that i'm i'm that way with certain bands that i know which recordings like are from when who recorded them and like yeah the very 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 nitty very nitty nitty gritty details Mm. um like that's how i got into like filming shit in general like i just grew up being obsessed with live recordings that way Um, and that kind of translates into how methodical I run the channel now, like everything is tagged in a certain way. Like I'm very methodical with how I deliver the content and it all stems from being super obsessive with how things were archived back in the day.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Cause I don't, I don't think for, um, for this, the stuff you you cover, there's never been anything like that before. I don't think of somebody being like meticulously archival like that.
1: I mean, there, people definitely filmed before me.
0: Right, yeah, um, for sure.
1: There were a couple sites. There was a Fear out of DC, P-H-E-E-R, which was run by uh, this guy Pablo, who I'm friends with. Um, he was, this was pre-YouTube. He had like a real player, uh, if anyone remembers real player, that was on his website. It was just streaming his his content. So he he was way ahead of the curve. Yeah. Uh, there was him. There's a guy in Philly. Called, uh, his name was Mike. Uh, my, uh, his site was called E-Tapes, E E A T heat tapes um okay he was very methodical with how he logs stuff so i definitely learned a lot of lessons by just looking at those guys and seeing how they were doing it um especially now like everything needs to be cataloged otherwise it's just so hard to find shit right um and that's why like i'm constantly building tools to help people find their next favorite band whether it's like you know a customized search engine on the site or building like a band recommendation app which i have um using some some ai like i'm constantly building like developing tools to help people find the next band that they, they that they're gonna they're gonna fall in love with so mm-hmm. for me it's about you know um finding the needles in the haystack as it were um we're just like we have all this shit all the content just, just floating around how do you distill it into something that's gonna uh, pierce through the noise and actually resonate with someone
0: yeah mm. damn uh we've been going for about 50 minutes here uh um yeah do you have any like closing words of wisdom or I don't know um ah <laughs> uh, gosh I mean I don't know if,
1: what what's your what's your listener base like are they technically inclined or uh, no not really
0: yeah
1: I don't know I mean is there is there uh, I'm trying to I feel like I've been talking a lot is there anything that
0: <laughs> well, uh, how could how could somebody get into development work if if they wanted to like what are what, yeah. what some uh, steps people should take
1: I so I pretty much all the all the programming I do now is in Python on the back end mm-hmm. I do some you know front-end JavaScript uh, PHP uh, HTML things like, that, things like that but I always tell people, pick a language and just learn a language first and learn the basics of, you know, conditional statements, for loops, um, functions, like yeah. learn the actual concepts of computer science. And you can do that by, there's so many good YouTube tutorials, YouTube tutorials now, or like Khan Academy. Like there's all these mm-hmm. great resources for learning software development, or even just, you know, boot camp if you, if you have the resources to do it. Um, but I'm of the mindset, um, stick with the language, learn the core concepts of development. And then once you learn how those things work, it's easier for you to move from a language, from one language to another. Right. Um, and I also tell people, pick a, pick a project. Think of something that you want to work on. Like for me, um, after I finished college, I was, I was, this is was 2008. And this is like during the, the, like the, the economic crisis, it was so hard to find a job. I had all this, I had all this time to go. I was like, let me, you know, I've been filming a couple bands here and there. Like, let me build a website. Like I have some programming experience, but let me learn how to build a website. So hate five, six actually started out as just a fun project of like, can I build like a website? Yeah. PHP, which I had, I never used PHP at that point. So I tell people like, think of something you want to build. Like even if it's just a simple like app that tracks, like your grocery shopping list or whatever or whatever it is. Like think of something that could solve a very basic problem Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and then learn, like start chipping away at it. Think about like I like to think of like I like to take a problem and deconstruct it into smaller parts that I know I can like that I could like you know tackle pretty easily. So I think the longer that you program and work in development, you're able to see a problem and think about how okay, this component can actually be solved.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like I can actually remove this this component and solve this first and then plug it back in and move on to the next thing. So I think the longer you program, you start to think like a program and start to like realize that you can decouple things and attack them piecemeal.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so I, I, I advise people, like think of a problem that's not too complicated, but like might have a couple small moving parts and then just tackle each one independently. Like once you like can do that, you're able to, Accomplish a lot. I mean, that's how I was able to do like the grip and like the 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 aerial camera. It's I I thought about each component like piecemeal, and and went at went at it that way. So, I advise people like yeah, learn a language, learn the core concepts, and then just think of something that you want to solve. Because if 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 you're gonna work on something that you care about, you're you're gonna want to see it through. Like you're gonna have the the excitement, the energy, the passion to to do it, rather than some fucking assignment that a that a professor gives you, Um, which is useful like. Don't get me wrong, academia can be useful, but you can learn so much more through trial and error yeah. and just like doing it yourself. So that's kind of my
0: advice. Mm, wow. Well, that's good. Uh, well, stay on for a second, Sonny. Um, you had options, but you decided to talk to me. I appreciate it.
2: Yeah, absolutely.